things. Question tonight, why do people not study the Bible? Laziness. Laziness. Okay. Why else? Don't understand it. Okay. They what? Don't see the worth. Okay. Lower priority. Okay. They don't know the author. Yep. Okay. They think they know enough. Know enough. Right. Okay. They think they know enough. What else? Too busy. Okay. Uh, Right. Yes. People read today a little cheap dime store novels. Yep. People want something that doesn't take any effort and they're not going to be able to effectively study their Bibles that way. Okay. Okay. Shorter attention spans. Okay. It's been said, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. I believe it was Neil this weekend told us this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Those are some great quotes, aren't they? But they're more than just pithy sayings. They're true, aren't they? Uh, folks, in fact, either you are in the Word and the Holy Spirit is using the Word of God to conform you more to Jesus Christ or you're in the world and the world is squeezing you into its mold. You know, one of the greatest tragedies of today's church is that many of us are under the Word but we're not in the Word. We will drive halfway around the country to attend a Bible conference, but will not walk into the study of our homes and open up the Bible for ourselves. Sure. And, and I, I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with Bible conferences, but that's not a substitute for being in a study of the Word for yourself. Howard Hendricks, in a book, Living by the Book, he, he gives some scenarios. I just want to read a couple of these, uh, and we'll talk more about it later. Uh, here's one named Ken. Ken says, I need something that works. Howard Hendricks says, Ken, you're a business executive with a lot of responsibility. You're well-educated. I know you love the Lord. Where does the Bible fit into your life? Ken said, well, back when my kids were young, we used to read a verse or two every morning at breakfast or maybe at dinner time. But I wouldn't say we ever study the Bible. And, of course, it's not the sort of thing you do at work. Howard Hendricks, why not? Well... Work is work, Ken says. You're there to do a job. When I go to work, I'm thinking about our payroll, our customers, the bills we've got to pay, what our competitors are doing, the Bible's about the last thing on my mind during the day. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people who acts one way at church and another way at the office, but let's face it, the business world is no Sunday school class. You're up against things that aren't even mentioned in the Bible, so it doesn't exactly apply to your day-to-day -day situation. Uh, Dr. Hendricks, can you put your finger on the problem of relevance? And that may be the number one reason people are not studying God's Word today. They think it's archaic, out of date. It may have had something to say to another generation, but they seriously question whether it has anything to say to ours. Yet, as we'll see, God's revelation is as alive today as it was when it was first delivered. Uh, here's the second one, Wendy. Wendy says, I don't know how. Dr. Hendricks, let's move on to Wendy, who is a copywriter for an ad agency. Wendy, you seem to have a lot of energy and initiative. I'd be willing to bet that you'd make an outstanding student of the Bible. Wendy, 
Actually, I've tried, but it just didn't work out. How so? Well, I went through a phase once where I decided I was really going to study the Bible. I'd heard someone at a seminar say that it's impossible to know God, to know God apart from knowing His Word. I knew I wanted to get closer to the Lord, so I made up my mind to really get into Scripture. I bought all these books about the Bible. I came home from work every night and spent about an hour or more reading and trying to understand it. But I realized that I didn't know Greek or Hebrew, and there were an awful lot of things that people were saying about different passages that made no sense to me. I mean, I'd read what somebody had to say about a text, and then I'd read the text, but I couldn't figure out how they'd come up with it. Finally, it just got so confusing, I quit. Dr. Hendricks. Oh, so it was a problem of technique. That's common for many people today. They're reluctant to jump in because they know they can't swim. And our culture doesn't help much. We become saturated with visual images and frankly, we're losing our ability to read. That's why one of the things we're going to do in the next section, he says, is recover the skills of how to read something such as the Bible. Uh, one more and I'll quit. Uh, Elliot says, I'm just a layman. Elliot's the man you want if you've got a swimming pool on the fritz. He can show you how to keep the water crystal clear. Furthermore, he brings an incredible strong work ethic to the job. And I think his faith has a lot to do with that. Elliot, something tells me you pay a lot of attention to your Bible. Elliot says, well, let me put it to you this way. I pay attention to what I understand in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, that sort of thing. But the rest of it, I pretty much leave up to my pastor. I mean, he understands all that stuff. And if I ever have a problem, I'll just go to him. He seems to know what it all means. Me, I just try to live the best I can. Dr. Hendricks, that's encouraging. You're trying to practice the truth that you do understand. But Elliot, I hear you saying what thousands of Christians are saying today. I'm just a layperson, or I'm a homemaker. I'm not a professional. You can't expect me, an individual who has no theological training, who maybe never even finished college, to study a book like this. Some of those sound familiar? Any of those hit home? So why do people not study it for themselves? Well, what the question of relevance or the question of I don't know how to or I'm just a layman. I'll let my preacher tell me or I don't have the time. Or maybe it just doesn't seem that interesting uh, to me. I want you to think about your own life. What about yourself? Do you study the scripture? Why or why not? I'm not talking about reading it. I'm not talking about just reading it. I'm talking about sitting down with the Bible a book at a time and investing in detailed study of that book. How often do you do something like that? Once a week, once a month, never. Before we get into some of the more application stuff I want to cover tonight, I want you to write down, first of all, the Bible is essential to growth. In 1 Peter 2.2, listen to what Peter says there, 1 Peter 2.2. Peter says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. First of all, he addresses an issue of attitude there, doesn't he? That we're to, we're to be like a newborn baby. Just like a newborn baby uh, craves or longs for milk. Simon Peter said that's how we're to be with the scripture. Uh, 
not only attitude, but, but appetite. You have to long for it. You have to crave it. The psalmist said in Psalm 19.10 that the scripture is sweeter than honey. Now, you'd never know that by looking at some. There, there are some castor oil saints, you know, yuck, but I guess it's good for what ails me, right? Castor oil saints. And then uh, shredded wheat saints. It's nourishing but dry. And then there's the strawberry and cream saints. Uh, they just can't get enough. Well, how did this last group get like that? The strawberries and cream, they just can't get enough. They've acquired a taste for it. How do you acquire a taste for it? By getting into the Word and feasting on it. And then what's the aim? What's the aim of the Bible? Peter says here that we might grow. It's not that we just know now, knowledge is valuable. You can't grow without knowing. But folks, you can know without growing. The Bible wasn't written just to simply satisfy our curiosity. The Bible was written to conform us more to the image of Christ. God's primary motive with His Word is to help us to grow. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, it's to help the sinner come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And then for the saint, it's to disciple the saint. And he covers all of that in 2 Timothy 2. If you're, a, I mean 2 Timothy 3, I'm sorry. If you're lost, it's that the scriptures lead you to salvation in Christ. And then once coming to Christ, it's to disciple you and to help you to be equipped. Well, then let me uh, read to you Hebrews chapter 5 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 5, and listen to verses 11 to 14. The writer of Hebrews says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. He's just been talking about Melchizedek. We have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Notice he says here, there's a lot more we'd love to say to you, but, but you can't take it. And it's hard to explain. Why? Is it because of the difficulty of the revelation? No. It's the, he says, it's the density of the reception. There's a learning disability. You have become dull of hearing, he says to them. And then the key word there is time. They should have been further along. They should have been like in God's high school by then. But they're still in grade school. And he says, somebody's having to teach you the ABCs of spiritual things all over again. You ought to be mature. You ought to be teaching others but you're still having to be taught and taught even the basics. He says, you still need milk. Solid foods for the mature, he says. Who are the mature? Are they seminary graduates? No. The writer says you're mature if you have trained yourself through constant use of Scripture to distinguish good from evil. And so that's the second major reason that Bible study is essential. It's, it's that it's the divine means of developing spiritual maturity. You're not going to grow up in, in Christ without growing in your knowledge 
of the Word. And then just one more quick thing before we get started with some application tonight. Thirdly, Bible study is essential to spiritual effectiveness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that passage that I referenced a moment ago. Paul says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is inspired. That means Leviticus just as much as the book of Romans, right? Or Deuteronomy. Could you locate in about three seconds the book of Deuteronomy in your Bible? And yet, do you know that the book of Deuteronomy is the book Jesus quoted more from than any other? And when Satan was attacking Jesus in the wilderness, what book of the Bible did Jesus rely on to defeat the devil? Deuteronomy. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now, there may be some parts of it you and I enjoy more than others. Reading the Gospel of John or the book of Romans as opposed to Leviticus or Numbers. But it's all inspired. And Paul says it's profitable, first of all, for doctrine. This is the content of what to believe. Secondly, rebuke. It'll tell you when your life is out of bounds. For correction, it shows you not only the wrong, but the right. And then training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. Maybe you've thought before, I wish I could be more effective for God. Well, start studying your Bible. And guess what? You'll have opportunity to be more effective. Well, let's get started with some, some application stuff I want to I set down for you tonight. First of all, like it or not, now, there's lots of free stuff, okay? But like it or not, you're probably going to need to invest some dollars and and. We're going to get into some things in a moment. It always puzzles me when I hear Christians talk about not wanting to invest in some good study tools. A man will go out and he'll buy a thousand dollar set of golf clubs. Or he'll spend $40,000 on a classic car. Or a woman will invest all kinds of dollars into some hobby that she might have. Hmm? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of ladies love golf, yes. But they'll spend all kinds of money on stuff like that. But they don't want to invest in good Bible study items. Somebody mentioned earlier, somebody back here about misplaced priorities when we opened up tonight, right? Why people don't study the Bible. Somebody back there, was it Carol? Misplaced priorities. Somebody talked about wrong priorities. By all means, go out and buy... This is the place to, to begin. Now, folks, this, this is just elementary stuff I'm giving you tonight, okay? About as elementary as it can get. A good study Bible. Um, there, there is a plethora of good study Bibles today. The ESV study Bible is one of the best out there. The articles that this Bible has in it, it is incredible the amount of articles in the ESV study Bible. 
And then at the back of it, there's a short little course in systematic theology and in Christian ethics. There's all kinds of stuff on Bible backgrounds. It's a library in and of itself. And then on top of that, at the bottom of each page, there's all kinds of notes on the verses that are on that page. Um, one of the absolute best on the market today would be the ESV Study Bible. Another excellent one equally as extensive as the ESV Study Bible would be the Zondervan NIV Study Bible. Now, I don't want to confuse you here. There is also an NIV Study Bible by Zondervan that's different from this one. And it's, it's great too. Okay? The Zondervan will say specifically the Zondervan NIV Study Bible and it's edited by D.A. Carson and Douglas Moo. Moo, M-O-O. He's a guy that teaches at Wheaton College. Douglas Moo and D.A. Carson. They've put together everything that's in the Zondervan NIV Study Bible. Probably other than the ESV Study Bible, that would be my top pick. Then the NIV Study Bible is excellent. And, you know, along with the NIV Study Bible, they now have it to where there's the NASB Study Bible and the NLT study Bible. So any of those three, the NIV study Bible, the NAS study Bible, the NLT study Bible, and it's, it's the same articles and introductions and notes in each one. It's just different translations. You with me? Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. H-O-L-M-A-N. Mm -hmm. The reason I like it is it's verse by verse. A lot of those, you know, the verses, it's more a paragraph. Right. And the Holman Study Bible is verse by verse. They have it right now at Ollie for $29. <laughs> okay. What, what, you're what you're referring to, each verse is left justified. That does help you to find verses quickly. And you can find left justified in other translations too. But, you know, if with each verse being left justified, the, num the verse numbers will be on the far left, and you can just locate them quickly. Whereas if you're looking down through a passage and I say, look at verse 7, it, it may be in the middle of the page in that paragraph and just harder to find. But anyway. Um, the... Also, along with the NIV Study Bible or the NAS or the NLT, there's, these translations are also found in the Life Application Study Bible. Does anybody have that in here tonight? The NLT or the NIV Life Application Study Bible. Okay? That's... A, that's probably the number one selling study Bible today. Whatever translation you get it in, whether it's the King James, the New International Version, the New American Standard, the New Living Translation, whatever, whatever translation you use, the Life Application Study Bible, also extensive introductions and notes and all that kind of stuff, that's... I believe that's probably the number one selling study Bible. I don't think the notes are quite as extensive as some of the others, but still, 
it, it's, it's a fabulous study Bible. Uh, then there's the, the Christian Standard. The, used to be the Holman Christian Standard uh, Bible. Now it just goes by CSB, uh, Christian Standard Bible. Uh, and that's a study Bible. And that's excellent too, Yes. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to talk about iPad and iPhone applications in a moment, so I'm, I'm glad you did mention that. Um, the Reformation Study Bible, excellent. The MacArthur Study Bible. Folks, there, there is a plethora of these study Bibles. So start out by buying a good study Bible. And as David has just mentioned, if you have an iPad or iPhone or whatever, just about all these study Bibles now, you can go in your apps, go under your apps, and you can download. And in fact, you know, if you were to go out and buy one of these study Bibles, it may cost you, say, 59 maybe even $79. That same Bible on an iPad app, it's, it's, it's all inclusive. They don't leave anything out. But it'll probably be a third of the price. And so I've got a whole slew of them on my iPad. And again, just about any of these... I've got the Zondervan NIV Study Bible on my iPad. I've got the NLT Study Bible. I've got the, uh, I mean, um, yeah, the NIV Study Bible, the NIV Life Application, the NLT Life Application, the NAS Study Bible, the MacArthur Study Bible. I have all those on my iPad. And the cost of doing the cost of having it on your iPad is a fraction. Now I I still like having paper copies that I can take notes in. But I'm just saying you can buy all kind all of these study Bibles are now available in an app. Donna, did you have a comment? There probably is a way. I mean, I haven't done that yet, but haven't haven't really tried. You. Okay. Okay. Uh, along with this, uh, again, just just very basic stuff. I'm talking about. Here is going out and finding an exhaustive concordance. Now, most of our study Bibles will have a concordance at the back if you want to look up a word, where a word takes place in the Scripture. But the ones at the back of your Bible are not exhaustive. By an exhaustive concordance, what is meant is that that concordance will tell you every time in the Bible, whether it's Old or New Testament, that that word occurs. Okay? And here again, you can get these things online too. But the concordance at the back of your Bible may give you 10%, 5 or 10%, if even that, of where that word occurs in the Scripture. But if you want to find out everywhere that word occurs, you're going to need to get an exhaustive concordance, something like a Strong's exhaustive concordance. And again, it's called exhaustive because it's going to tell you every time that word is used in the Scripture. Get a good Bible. Let me write... Hang on, let me go back. Concordance. Get a good Bible dictionary. An excellent Bible dictionary 
uh, is the Holman. The Holman Bible Dictionary is one of the best on the market today. Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N, Holman Bible Dictionary. A Bible dictionary is going to give you an explanation on people, places, and events in the Bible. If you were, if you were reading that David sacrificed a, a bullock, what's a bullock? You look that up in a Bible dictionary and it'll tell you all about that and the different sacrifices. Uh, along with the Bible dictionary, there's, there's also, if you want a good Bible encyclopedia, which is more extensive. And, and the gold standard on Bible encyclopedias, now it, there's about 12 or 15 volumes to it. And it's kind of pricey. But you'll hear people refer to it as ISBE. But it stands for International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, ISBE. Very thorough. And like I say, there's, there's probably 15 volumes of it. And, you know, we're talking about Eight and a half by eleven page sizes, each volume about yay thick. So, I mean the the whole Isby series is going to take up that much space on a bookshelf, but it's worth it if you want the best Bible encyclopedia out there. Uh, Isby is probably going to be, without a doubt, I, not maybe it's going to be your top bet. Uh, now I am also going to and I'm going to give you all kinds of recommendations of what to do here okay commentaries now I'll tell you the way I buy commentaries, and you're not going to do this, and so I'm going to make some suggestions that you might do. But how I buy commentaries, uh, whatever book of the Bible I'm, I'm teaching on, I will find the top commentaries out there, and, and I buy the more technical commentaries like they would use in seminaries and, you know, even doctoral programs and stuff. I, I just... Like the, I have some of the simpler ones, but I'll buy the more technical ones. And whatever book of the Bible I'm teaching on or preaching through, I will find what the top commentaries are. Uh, and you can Google that. Top commentaries on the book of Romans. Uh, one of the first, if you Google top commentaries on the book of Romans, book of Matthew, book of Deuteronomy, whatever book you're studying, probably the very first link that's going to come up will be a Ligonier link. And they have a guy there, uh, Keith Matheson, and he hits a home run on this. He will give you the top five commentaries on that book of the Bible. Uh, and, and these are top five commentaries that even professors and scholars would tell you are the top five. And, I mean, he absolutely hits a home run. Uh, Keith Matheson with Ligonier, L-I-G-I-O-N, I mean L-I-G-O-N-I-E-R, Ligonier. But if you just Google top commentaries on Book of Romans, I'm just using Romans as an example, that Ligonier link will be one of the first to come up. It's not the only one, but Keith just does such an awesome job with his recommendation. But but you can you can... Any number of links, you can get the top five commentaries. Um, for example, if I'm teaching through Romans, the gold standard on, on the book of Romans right now would be the comment, massive volume by Douglas Moo. I mentioned Moo a moment ago, M-O-O. Very technical, um, and you'll need, you know, 
it's, it's going to help if you have biblical languages to read some of these. I, I'm just telling you how I buy them. And if you want to get the more technical ones. So Douglas Moo or Thomas Schreiner, who's one of your Southern Baptist professors up at Southern Seminary. Uh, Thomas Schreiner's on, on Romans, C.E.B. Cranfield, uh, Sanday and Hedlum, uh, Robert Mounts. These are just some of the best commentaries out there. On, so I, I find out what the best commentaries are, and I buy that. I don't buy series. I'm not saying I never have. And if you're going to buy a series of commentaries, you'd probably want to get the Tyndale series, maybe the best. But most series are imbalanced. Matthew might be great. Mark and Luke maybe not so good. John and Acts might be wonderful. Each series, they'll have very strong writers on certain books and the other books you're thinking they could have maybe done a little bit better so but I don't buy series because it's going to be so imbalanced okay um, but anyway I and I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with some in just a moment when I answer Jim's question some commentaries that might be helpful for you Jim Sure, he was a, a Puritan uh, commentator. A lot of people have Matthew Henry. Sure. Sure. Yep. Sure. Just understand the limitations of a one or two volume series. Um, you're, you're going to get a basic amount of information on a passage, but you're not going to get a whole lot. And then there's your method of zeroing on the commentaries of that. that sure. Exactly. But it'd be a great starting area, and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Sure, sure. I've had one for years, and then that. Yeah. Not a lot of money, but no problem. Um. For lay people, uh, the two-volume series, it's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary by the Dallas Theological Seminary professors. It, there's uh, the Old Testament volume and the New Testament volume. It's again, it's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary, and it's two volumes. Uh, John Walvoord, Roy Zook, they're the compilers of that. That's a good option for lay people. The Bible knowledge commentary. There's the Old Testament volume, New Testament volume. Uh, lay people really love, and I'm, you know, regardless of its limitations, the Warren Wearsby B series is great. Just he does a marvelous job of breaking down individual chapters. And you can either buy that, uh, like if you're talking about the New Testament, for example, it's in two volumes, uh, or on any of the biblical books, Old or New Testament, you can buy the individual paperback on it. It's the B series, B like the letter B, like Philippians, B joyful, uh, for instance. Does anybody have the Warren Wearsby B series? Okay. 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 That's a great option uh, for for lay people. Uh, the expositions by somebody mentioned John MacArthur a moment ago uh, on all the New Testament. He hasn't done the Old Testament, but the New Testament books, the John MacArthur commentary series is kind of a cross between... He'll, he'll deal with a few technical issues, word studies and stuff like that. He does it in layman's terms, but then he just kind of does an exposition of that chapter or that passage. 
That's a great option for lay people. The John MacArthur series. Right. Sure. Yes. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce uh, is someone also. He pastored 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. He died of liver cancer at about 59 years of age. But he was a sort of a pastor scholar. And people love his expositions of Bible books. James Montgomery Boyce. That would be a great option. James Montgomery Boyce. But boy, whether it's James Montgomery Boyce or John MacArthur or Warren Wiersbe or the Bible Knowledge Commentary, those are some great books that lay people are going to be able to understand just fine. You're not going to have trouble with, with any of those. And of course, Jim mentioned uh, Matthew Henry. Let me mention some... Uh, let me mention some computer programs. Now, I'm just going to mention a couple of these. There, again, there's a plethora of them. A free one, uh, you can download it free. Now, it's, it's very limited. Some of what it'll offer as far as commentaries and so forth on it. But eSword... Google eSword, and that's a free download. Another one, Google the olive, the olive tree, Bible study materials and commentaries. And the way this is set up, you can purchase different modules, you can add on stuff to it. So you can start off very basic with that. In fact, I think the most basic aspect of that is going to be the, the free stuff on it. But then you can start adding stuff to it. Now, the granddaddy, uh, Logos, they have a free basic thing and then... The, and then after the free basic, then the next step up is like $99. And this goes all the way up. You can spend about $11,000 on the Logos. Okay? They have like the bronze, the silver, the gold, the platinum, the diamond. The, I mean, there's all kinds of different levels. But you don't have to spend that much. Um, you can, you can spend, their module that's like $249, you can get a lot of great stuff on that module. Again, folks, if you're a man in the church who golfs, you're probably going to spend eight or $900 or $1,200 on a set of clubs. So keep things in perspective. You're talking about Bible study stuff that you're going to have the rest of your life. I mean, I want to say, folks, come on, realize some of that. You know, your, your hobbies and stuff you buy for yourself. What's going to be more important than investing? If God uses Bible study to grow us, to mature us, to get us equipped for ministry, spending a little bit of money is, is not unreasonable. Yes. Yes. Right. Sure. Yeah. So you like whether you you mentioned the Zondervan, you, but again you can without even buying the hard copy through your Bible apps you can buy it. You don't even have to buy the hard copy to get that, and it has everything included in the hard copy on the on the.
program on the app. Sure. Deep down inside. Sure. And so I wanted to buy a hard copy. Sure. It was nice to just give them that little code number off the inside of the back, and then I downloaded the whole thing again. Yeah. So I've got it with me everywhere, but that's a pretty good round of monsters to buy. Yeah. And like you said, you, you go to Olive Tree, and I think I've downloaded about six translations into my phone and in my iPhone. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, folks, again, this, this is just a couple. There's, there's a plethora of these out there. Logos is sort of the gold standard of the computer programs out there. Now, typically, I, other than like downloading some of the free ones, I don't use this. Because my chosen, I like to... Find the best commentary on each book of the Bible and buy that. With these programs, the downside of it, they include so much in There's stuff you will never, ever, ever, ever use. Um, and that, that's why, I mean, if you don't believe me, you Google Logos and then click on, say, the gold or the platinum or the diamond and see what all's listed there. And, and there's stuff in a lifetime I wouldn't ever use. And so I just choose to spend money on stuff that I'm going to use, you know. So, but if, if you'd rather do this route than, you know, uh, having a room you have to dedicate to books. My, my main study library in my, in my basement at home, uh, you know, our, the living area at home is probably a five or six hundred square foot room, and most of it's books. She says I'm addicted to books, but anyway. Uh, so if you don't have room to buy books and all, you you may want to go with the computer program route. You know, conserve space that way. Uh, get a good Bible, Atlas, and probably the two best that I have found, I've got both of these also, the Holman. Just like I say, Holman has the Bible dictionary, they, Holman also has a Bible Atlas. Fantastic. The, the ESV one, I think, is probably... The best, the ESV Bible Atlas. Now, it's a big old thing. The ESV one, probably you lay it down flat, and it's, the ESV one's going to be practically as big as the tabletop on this podium here just about. I mean, it's a big old thing, the ESV one. And this is a pretty good size one, too. Those, as far as the Bible Atlas, those are excellent ones. And... Those are so much more than just a map. Uh, on that page where they have that map, they're going to tell you all kinds of information about that biblical site and some of the history in the Bible. There's going to be, there's just going to be all kinds. You're going to be like, whoa, I mean, that's good stuff, what they will have. So I don't want you to think a Bible atlas is just a map. Yes, it's that, but it's so much more. Okay? Okay. I just ordered the Bible atlas from Rose Hendrickson. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. And the rose one, uh, I mean, it, you, this is going to surprise you a place you can go, for, and it is very good. You can go to CVS in Harrisburg, and when you're back there buying your prescriptions, the book stand next to it on that book stand. They have the Rose Bible Atlas book on that at the CVS drugstore, believe it or not. <laughs> but, 
And, but folks, too, let me tell you, you don't have to, you know, with Lifeway closing down and all that, all you have to do is go on any of this stuff I'm mentioning to you, just go on Amazon, have it delivered right to your doorstep. You don't even have to go anywhere to buy it. Or you, I know Kathy goes to a lot of used bookstores. <laughs> Wow. And they're like six fifty when they're on sale. It's called this is hard. Thriftbooks.com. Thriftbooks.com. Thriftbooks. You order over ten dollars worth, it's free shipping. Okay. And I get a shipment from them every day. I love <laughs> Every day? Wow. Up, I just looked up the Holman Bible Dictionary. Uh-huh. There you go. Thrift books. You what now? I have a theology section, a church history section, a preaching section, an Old Testament section, a New Testament section. Uh, I'm, anyway, so... <laughs> A good, uh, if you want something to look up, do a little more in-depth study on biblical words. Now, this is one of the more simple ones and well-known, but vines. Vines. Word study. Vines word study. And there's all kinds of those. That's just one of the more well-known ones. And pretty basic, like I say, at a layman's level, that, that'll be fine. Um, Okay, now again, folks, I know time you invest in a good study Bible and all these different tools I've told you about, again, you might think it's a lot of money. And it's kind of like anything else. On all of the above, you can spend five or six hundred dollars, or you could spend ten or twelve thousand. It's an investment. It's an investment for life. Um, I was going to get into a lot of other stuff tonight. I'm I'm at a breaking point in my note. I've got about four or five more pages, but I'm at a breaking point right now. So I think I'm going to stop there. I was going to talk about observation, interpretation, application. But I think I'll stop. But anyway, please let me encourage you to buy some of these tools. And there's no way around it. It's going to take time. Uh, I almost wish and I'm going to offend some people, what I'm about to say here, because <laughs> we even offer them here out in the lobby. of the. I almost wish we could take some of these little devotions and outlaw them or throw them away. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But these little devotions where you read a couple of little, little verses and read a little paragraph on it, and that's all your Bible study for it. And it might be a couple little verses today out of Proverbs. Tomorrow a couple little verses out of 
Matthew. The day after tomorrow, a couple little verses out of Exodus. The day after that, a couple little verses out of Revelation. You are never going to make sense of your Bible studying your Bible that way. You're not. You need to study a book at a time. And use these tools, the book introductions, the study notes, the commentaries, also to see how it fits into the overall flow of God's Word. Okay? Each book has a purpose and a place in the canon of Scripture. And there's such a thing as progressive revelation. What I mean by that is from Genesis 1-1, God doesn't give us the whole ball of wax at Genesis 1-1. As you read the Bible, He reveals more and more of Himself to us. Right? That's why we have 66 books. You're reading along in the Old Testament, and then you go out of the... The Pentateuch and the historical books and then the prophets and wisdom. right and, and God reveals more and more of himself to mankind. You get into the New Testament, Gospels, and then the historical book, Acts, and then the epistles, and then the general epistles, um, and then the apocalypse. I mean, there's, there's a, each book has a place. And as you read your Bible from cover to cover... God reveals more and more of himself to us. And so you're going to have to sit down with a book of the Bible and study that book. And then move on and study the next. And see how they all fit together. And if you will take the time to do that on a daily basis, you'll get to the, at the end of a year or two... And, and you'll just be amazed at how much sense the Bible makes to you. If you're going to read a verse or two out of this passage today, a verse or two out of that passage tomorrow, you will never understand your Bible. You won't. This little hodgepodge thing. That's why I say some of these resources, they encourage studying, uh, reading the Bible that way. I almost wish we could do away with them. Please don't. If you use a devotion book at some point of your day, okay, it has its place. I hope that's not your substitute for doing real Bible study. And likewise, if you think, oh man, it's 11.15 tonight. I need to do my Bible reading before you get in bed. I'm going to read this chapter real quick. You just kind of breeze through it and close it and go to sleep. Again, you're, you're not going to learn the Bible that way. You have to sit down and invest time. We've got, a, we've got a senior adult man in the church right now. Most of you know him. He lives on the same road you live on. He said, Scott, you know, for years and years I heard you say that. And finally, a couple of years ago, I took you up on it. And he said... I bought a couple of real good uh, study Bibles with notes in them, a few basic commentaries. And he said, from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon every day is my Bible study time. He said, I cannot believe what I'm getting out of my Bible study now. He said, and I think of what all I have missed all these years. And he said, I, I've gotten to where now, if I have a doctor's appointment or something that interrupts my 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Bible, he said, it aggravates me if anything interrupts that time. He said, but, but what I have learned now studying book by book, he said, I read the introductions to each to the book I'm studying, I read the notes in this study Bible, the notes in that study Bible, the notes in this study Bible. And then he has a couple of these little one-volume commentaries, some pretty good ones. He reads a few of those each day. And he has, a, he has a notepad. He takes notes on what he studied that day. He said, I cannot believe how much this has come to mean to me. I'm talking about George Kent. 
he, he led me into his study one day. He said, I just want to show you what I do. And he spread everything out. And, and anyway, you wouldn't get him to go back to what he was doing before. So you have to invest in some good tools and you have to take the time to do it.